All right, so last week, Greg was here, and he started us on a new series called 4D Love, for directional love. And so we're continuing in that series today, and today we're entitling this message, Barriers to Love, and hopefully, as we talk throughout the morning, you'll see why. But last week, Greg kind of laid it out for us and talked about the importance of 4D love. We believe around here that the love of God, the perfect, beautiful, self-sacrificing love of God is central to the biblical narrative, and it should be the most important thing that we're about. And recognizing that that love is so important, we, we want to um, receive that love and give that love in every aspect of our lives. So the four directions of this love are love of God, love of self, love of others, and love of creation. And we're told biblically that we are to love God with all that we have, love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, and to love one another and to also care for creation. And I think that um, God has really already begun to speak to us through this series, and I think he will continue to do so. We learned last week that God's goal has always been for him to pour his perfect, lacking nothing love out into us because we all have that void. For him to pour his love into us and us to be filled with that love, filled so much that we overflow that love back to God, and he continues to fill us. It's an overflowing thing that happens, and as we are continually filled with the love of God, we learn to love him back, we learn to love ourselves the way that God has uh, meant for us to love ourselves, we learn to love one another, and we learn to love creation. It's just this perfect overflow of the love of God flowing in our lives and flowing through us to others, back to ourselves and to creation. But we know that the world is not perfect. We know that right now we are living in a fallen and violent world, and so that love isn't always on display. Sometimes we don't feel God's love because our focus is on all the exterior things going on around us. And many times we're not loving ourselves the way that we're called to, so many times that we are not loving one another, we're not treating one another the way that we're supposed to, and we're certainly not loving creation. And that is because we are living in this fallen world. And that's just a reality that we have to face. And so what happens in this fallen world is so many things get affected negatively when our focus is on what's happening in the world. So many times our relationships um, they get skewed and they don't, they don't operate the way that they're supposed to. Many times um, we don't see and recognize the love of God the way that we're supposed to. We don't feel God's love and we even like shun away from God's love because we, we are afraid of it. We don't love ourselves the way that God's called us to because we're not experiencing what we feel like is the fullness of God's life. And that affects so many things in our lives. It affects our relationships especially. And so as a result of that, because we're not being loved, we feel like, and we're not loving as we should, because things are out of order, out of skew, and our picture of God can be a little off, the way we relate to one another can be skewed as well. And so last week, um, Greg had us take a survey uh, seeing if we could identify our relational styles. And each of us have ways in which we relate to one another. And so we took a survey, you guys text in your answers, and here are the results of that survey that I think you'll find pretty interesting. 44% um, of, of us 
felt like that we were secure in our relationships, meaning it is very easy for us to love and to trust and to be close to others and to feel secure, while 28% of us were avoidant, meaning our style of relating to other people is to really just avoid it, avoid closeness, avoid intimacy. Why? Because we might get hurt or it may not work out, so we just would rather avoid it altogether and depend on ourselves. And then there was 25% of us who felt anxious, um, and that style of relating simply means that you're just you're anxious. You, you feel like you're not going to measure up. It's not going to work out. So getting close and relating to others in a close, intimate way is something that really brings up a lot of anxiety. There was about, I want to say, 4% of people who felt like they were a mixture of all these things. And so you may be wondering, like, what does that have to do with four-directional love? And I promise all the dots will connect. All the pieces do fit together. And so what I want to do now is I want to bring up Kevin. Kevin is our discipleship pastor here at Woodland Hills. He has been a therapist. He currently oversees SOMA. He um, also oversees Sojourners, our house churches. And more than all of that, this is a man who loves God and is passionate about seeing brothers and sisters, his, the kingdom people that we are, being set free and being whole and fully living in the identity of who God says that we are and treating one another that way, living in that freedom, living in that life of God. And so I'm really excited that Kevin's here with us today. He's going to come up and we're going to... Um, we're just going to have a conversation. I'm going to interview him a little bit, and he's going to take us a little deeper into some of these things that Greg introduced last week. So please join me in welcoming Kevin up. Thank you. Thanks, Shauna. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. How are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. How yeah. about you? I'm good. I'm awesome. good. Nice job summing up. Oh, thank you. Always tricky to pull <laughs> Greg's pieces together. Yep. Good job. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kevin. So last week, again, it was just week one, and Greg just really kind of tip the iceberg on some things that we're right. depending on you to fill in the gaps. <laughs> right. To connect all those <laughs> yes, dots. Yes, connect right? all oh, those boy. dots because right. I've already promised that that and would happen. And if I don't, you're going to fill it in next week. For you're going to sure. pull it all together. Yes, with it. All right. it's going to be great. Awesome. So Greg did mention last week briefly about um, talking about four-directional love, and he said yeah. that we were going to be looking at it through an attachment lens, right. yeah. and he briefly mentioned the phrase attachment theory. Right. And um, I'm thinking that maybe not everyone is fully versed right. in what attachment theory is, mm -hmm. but you are. Well, I don't know if I'm fully <laughs> versed in it either. So. More so than but, <clears throat> I know a couple many things, others. But. Okay. So can you tell us about attachment yeah, theory? Yeah. So attachment theory is a psychological model that was first developed in the 1950s and 60s into the 70s. Um, John Bowlby from Britain, Mary Ainsworth from the United States, and a whole host of others researched and collaborated together to try and understand the question of how early caregiving in our first months and years of life affect us, our sense of self, as we move out into the world and our relationships with others. They, they studied children in orphanages who weren't getting good caregiving. They studied adults in uh, therapy offices and tried to figure out where did their mental illness, mental health issues come from? Was it traceable to childhood, et cetera? So attachment theory is just the idea of how our early care, how well we were cared for early on might affect us in our relationships and our general sense of security later on. The idea then is that how well we were cared for helps, uh, either helps or hinders our ability to care for each other as well. And so there's a direct correlation to that in, in attachment theory. And how it connects to four-directional love is, well, as Greg said last week, as you said this morning, Shauna, you know, we are to be taking in this love, this care, 
ideally, ultimately from God, it was supposed to be happening for us in our earliest experiences of being cared for by attentive parents, mm-hmm. loving and caring parents. Um, and so then that would give sort of this reservoir and love of well-being inside of us. Um, and then we would be able to bring that to others. But the idea of four-directional love, we can only give what we have to give. And so if we've not received good caring, then we're not going to be able to bring that to others. And so the goal in being able to become more loving, growth in Jesus and growth in love means increase in our capacity to love well. Mm. Well, that will all depend on then how much we're able to receive care and love. And we're going to talk about, well, ideally that's going to come from God. It's going to come from others, from through, you know, God to others through us yeah. as well. And so those are going to be the ways that we're going to be able to grow in love. Right. So um, those things happening early on, how well or not well we were cared for, uh, affects our relationships today into, into adulthood. Would mm-hmm. it also affect our relationship with God or our picture absolutely. of God, like how we see him? Yeah, absolutely. So in attachment theory and other models, um, they have this idea of an, an inner model, an internal working model of the world and of yourself. So we have these core beliefs about ourselves and about others and about the world. And then we project those also onto God, those who believe in God. And those models or those deep beliefs and assumptions really come from our earliest experiences. Before we're even able to consciously think and reason, we have feelings about things, feelings about ourselves, about our parents, about our siblings, about our families, about the world. And then we carry those feelings and beliefs around with us. You've heard of uh, the idea of an inner child. So in psychology, there's this inner child idea. But well, we also have inner parents. Mm-hmm. We, how we were parented or how well or how unwell we were parented leaves us with this basic sense of deep feeling that we carry around. It's our inner parent, if you will. And it gives us a sense of our self-image and our self-worth and our value. We carry that around with us. Yeah. And then we project that onto God. If we believe in God, um, we're just going to take those deepest senses, those deepest beliefs, and then say, well, that must be true of God. What was true of my parents, my siblings, my teachers, uh, well, that must be true. If there's a God, well, that's probably what God's like. Mm. Um, and those who maybe don't believe there's a God, maybe their parents were non, not present at all. There was an absence of, complete absence of love and care. And so then that might result in somebody saying, well, there can't be a God out there. I don't feel any sense of having been loved mm. by parents. My parents weren't there for me. So there's probably not a God as well. So it's very strongly connected to our God picture. That's just incredible. Um, Last week, this was just ever so briefly introduced, just the concept of uh, the care that you did or did not receive from your parents affecting Mm -hmm. um, your ability to relate to others. Mm -hmm. And we did get some feedback that was a little jarring. I know we're going to get into more details about this later, but let's, can we just put people at ease now? Like if, if for whatever reason you weren't cared for well, Um, are you a lost cause? Like as you journey right. through your life and into it, like are you going to be able to relate to others in a yeah, healthy way? Great question. Yeah, and I wouldn't say we're lost causes. We're lost sons and daughters. Yeah. We're lost sheep. Those are the metaphors that scripture uses about us. So the fact is, is that no matter how great your parents may have been, none of us had perfect parents. Right. And so every one of us have various wounds, attachment wounds within us areas of um, lack or areas of pain. And so we're all moving through the world with a sense of that, some more and some less than others. But none of us are lost causes. The the good news about this is that it doesn't depend on ultimately your well-being today and into the future and your, your marriage, your ability to parent children. 
is not at the complete mercy of those years and months early in life which were completely outside of your control. Right. We can seek healing for deep wounds, attachment wounds, and that comes through relationships. Just as relationships are the things that wound and break us, healthy, loving, caring relationships are the thing that bring healing. And mm -hmm. so those are available to us. Thank goodness, mostly from God, who is the perfect parent. Yeah. Whether if you didn't have good parenting, you can still have God parenting yes. as you move into a deeper relationship with God. So, so. there is hope. <clears throat> yeah, always <laughs> hope. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, you did just mention, um, we're talking about attachment theory, yeah, right? right? And can and that just seems kind of like a strange yeah. like, attachment theory. Yeah. Can like why is it called that? Can yeah. you talk to us a little bit more like about something's attaching right. to me? Whatever. What's this? Yeah, I don't think that's a very helpful term. Yeah. What it really uh, means is it's an attachment is about an emotional and relational bond. What a bond is is a very strong, stable connection. We can have that in like chemistry, chemical bonds, but. You can also have relational bonds, and so a strong, stable bond is what we're designed to have in our lives. And attachment is just the idea that we're e either we have strong, secure, stable relational bonding, connectedness with others, or we lack that. Mm. And so I like to illustrate um, attachment, the concept of attachment theory, by using the um, illustration and analogy of Velcro. So you're all familiar with Velcro, right? What Velcro is, it's a, it's a thing that was invented to attach things. Right? It connects things and it, and it keeps them connected. And so what you have in Velcro is on one side you have all those little hooks, a whole bunch of little hooks, and they're designed to latch onto, attach to, or bond with something. On the other side of the Velcro pairing is the, the loops. So you've got hooks and you've got loops. And so the hooks are designed to hook into the loops. The loops are designed to be hooked into by the hooks. And, and then you have this strong bonding, this connectedness. Well, tying that analogy to us, we, a lot of research and just our own experience as, as humans, we would all say, well, we're, we come into the world with a deep hunger, a deep sense of longing. Um, we're longing for certain things like worth and value, like belonging, unconditional belonging and acceptance, purpose, um, uh, freedom, uh, peace and serenity, all those kinds of things, security. So we long for those kinds of things. We also have physical needs. As infants, we come in longing for milk and for being held and being talked to. And so we come into the world with a lot of hooks. The hooks are our heart hungers, our heart needs, our deepest longings. And then our parents, our caregivers, are there to provide the loops, if you will. So their care for us is really the loop that our heart hungers is supposed to connect into. So we're going to use the acronym of CARE, C-A-R-E, to kind of illustrate what these loops are supposed to be in, an, in a healthy relationship, whether it's as an infant with a parent or whether it's with us as adults mm -hmm. or whether it's with us and God. So that CARE, we will just use the acronym C-A-R-E. CARE would be, the C would be commitment. One of the deep things we long for is that others will be committed to us. There'll be this sort of permanence there. They're, they're going to be there for me. They're not going anywhere. They're not gonna leave me or abandon me. So we all have that deep hunger and that's one of the loops that our heart wants to hook into. Another loop that our heart wants to hook into is that that person who's there, that the person who's committed to us will also be aware of us, attentive to us. They'll be paying attention. We call it attentiveness. And so we don't want somebody who's just committed but they don't really pay close attention to us. We want them to be watching over us, if you will. Early caregivers, the biggest job they have is to just be paying attention being aware and available and accessible to the baby because the baby has lots of needs. 
And so that awareness is another one of those loops that our hearts are designed to be able to hook into, awareness of each other's needs. And then the awareness is meant to lead to this other thing called responsiveness. If we're aware of each other and committed, and we know what's happening in a person's life and we know what their needs are, but we never go to them and then help bring what's needed, the whole system falls apart. But the responsiveness is that piece. So with a parent and, a, and an infant, we're taking care of a little baby in our house right now for a mom who's having some relational troubles with the dad of the mom. He's a little eight-month-old baby. But so we're getting back to, my kids are all grown, but we're getting back to eight-month-old care. He was awake in the middle of the night last night, keeping us up. But it's an awesome thing because when they wake up, they need things. Yeah. And so we can be committed to bring what's needed to be aware and then to respond. And so when they cry, well, that means the diaper might be needing changing or the tummy is empty, they need food or they just need to be held and reassured. And so we bring the needed thing. We're responsive. We're attentive and responsive. And then the E on the acronym here, C-A-R-E, is empowerment. Ultimately, babies don't stay babies forever. Ultimately, our job as good caregivers is to bring resources, help our little ones, loved ones, to acquire the resources they need, like food or being held or knowledge or wisdom, or to acquire the skills they'll need to empower them with skills so that they can be healthy, stable adults and their relationships can be well and they can then care for others. So that's the empowerment piece, okay. that we are committed, we're attentive, we're responsive, and then we empower them and bring, help them become caregivers as well. So that's the illustration of attachment. I think that helps better. Attachment theory is just emotional bonding, how, how connected we feel emotionally. Yeah. I love that acronym. It yeah. makes it very tangible and yeah. understandable. So thank you for sharing yeah. and that. Doable. It's and doable. It's now some things we yeah. can do. Yeah. Absolutely. You did mention something called heart wounds and voids. Yes, yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So. Just as in your body, um, we can have wounding. Wounding happens in our body when there's an event where some kind of an injury happens. And the injury produces a brokenness, a breaking of some kind, either a breaking of tissue or a breaking of bone or ligaments. So an injury and a wound in our bodies is an event that causes a breaking. Well, that same kind of phenomena can happen in our hearts, in our souls. Um, we were, as I said, we're wired for connection. We're born with this longing to connect. We're supposed to get this in immediate and very steady connectedness right away from healthy caregivers. What happens is we don't get that connectedness. We might get connected and then disconnected. We might get injuries from, like, instead of getting the good things we needed, our caregivers might bring us bad things, like criticism or anger or blame or you know, harmful words, abuse, those kinds of things. And that causes breaking and that causes heart wounds. We can also have from our caregivers just this neglect. They don't pay attention, they don't respond. And so there's this lack that we have. And just as in our bodies, when there's a lack, it weakens our bodies. Yeah. And that can result in brokenness and wounding. And so heart wounds result from situations or events early on where we either received bad things like injuries of some kind, relational injuries, and we carry that pain around with us, or we didn't receive what we needed. So there's an, a lack in our hearts, a void and an emptiness. Mm -hmm. And we walk around trying to fill that void mm -hmm. and that emptiness. So pains or voids or emptiness, and then those things end up driving a lot of our adult lives right. and our relationships. Yeah, so. I think when we've talked about this, I, I think about, and I've shared this before, just personally, um, I was adopted at 13, so there was, there was a history there of some wounding Mm -hmm. for lack of a better phrase, and um, how important it was to recognize 
the wounding um, right. and to he, allow Jesus to heal that yeah. um, and allow others to come in yep. and help with that healing process. Yes, yeah. um, and we're all broken in, in some way, Absolutely. but it's so important to not stay in that place, yeah, but yeah. allow the healing to happen. Right, yeah. I think we all probably can think of stories where either we had some chronic pain or and we just don't go to the doctor, yeah. right? Or we know a loved one who we've been telling them, hey, you really should go get that checked out, right? Mm-hmm. And then they say, oh, it's no big deal. Right. I, can get, it's, I don't want to spend the money or the time or it's just no big deal. It'll take care of itself. Some things take care of themselves. The problem is that other things don't. So just as in your physical body, if you don't pay attention to a pain or an injury or a hurt and get it checked out and get the intervention, it gets worse yeah. and it can cause crippling and it can affect you. It gets in the way. Same thing with our soul wounds. You talked about being adopted and how that was something you had to work through. I wasn't adopted, but I grew up, I was the, uh, the youngest of five children in a pretty much love-starved family. My dad was, in his era, he was pretty much the typical dad. He went to work, came home, read the newspaper, and didn't really interact with us except to point out what we didn't do right Mm. and to kind of give blame or correction. And then my mom was a pretty loving woman, but she didn't, she was sort of kind of closed off. And so she wasn't able to express or give love. And so our whole family, us kids were kind of love starved. And so, and it kind of went down the chain. I was the youngest of the five and was looking for little scraps and felt pretty much invisible in my family. The funny thing is you were actually adopted. Yeah. I always felt like I was adopted. Aww. And maybe some of you have that, right? And part of it was that my siblings would jokingly say, oh, you're, you're, you're adopted. You know you're adopted. Mm-hmm. I looked a little different. My hair was a different color than my siblings. And then they treated me and said those kinds of words. And even though it wasn't true, there was a wound that yeah. happened as a result of that. I didn't feel like I belonged. Mm. I felt invisible, didn't feel like I belonged, so I internalized that. It's like that's, that's that wound, and we carry that around with us. So the, you mentioned, Shauna, a minute ago, that the key, as with the medical issue, is that we tune into these areas of pain and emptiness in our hearts, and then we start to open that up, open ourselves up to that, and then really start to learn how to open up to others right. so that we can bring light and healing and truth reparenting, if you will, refamilying, um, in the, uh, ideally in the body of Christ, reparenting from God, God parenting. Yeah. And so it's key then, it all starts with us kind of following the pain, if you will, or following the emptiness down to early memories or down to those deep places, opening up to that ourselves. And that'll, that's scary for a lot of people because you're going you're gonna to feel the hurt. You're right. going to feel the emptiness. And we spend most of our lives trying not to feel it trying to avoid it, trying to you know, pretend it's not there. But the key is that we need to feel in order to heal. Yes. There's no way we're going to have healing without opening up to the feeling that we want to avoid, the pain, the emptiness, the hurt, etc. But the good news is that healing does come. Absolutely. So we're designed to heal. Yeah, we are designed to heal. And so you need to feel it for the healing to happen. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Um, and I think about, too, like if left unattended to, if, if left unhealed, like the chain reaction could be really bad. Yeah, absolutely. And I think about personally, like, had I not allowed, not that I'm perfect, but had I not allowed Jesus Mm -hmm. to come in and others to come, you know, um, and receive that healing, who knows how that would have played out. I'm a mother now. And you don't want to pass on those negative things. So it's really important to, yes, feel the pain, but also receive that healing that comes from the Lord. Absolutely true that we will pass on brokenness. You've heard of that phrase, hurt people hurt people. Mm -hmm. And it's also true, wounded people wound people. 
and broken people break people. And so what we have is what we're going to give, whether we know it or not, whether we want to or not. So it's like a chain reaction or a domino effect, and that can work in positive ways as well as negative. Right. So that's why it's super important for us to open up to our wound areas and our void areas, bring Jesus into it, bring healing, grow in this thing called love, care, C-A-R-E, then we'll be able to bring that same care to others. But it's absolutely, it starts with looking inside yeah. and, and then seeking his healing for that. Yeah. Yeah. It all is connected. <laughs> um, we started talking a little bit about attachment styles. Right. Yep. Um, and there are a couple of different ones of them. Can you just take us through those yeah, attachment so styles? Yeah, so you saw up on the screen earlier, um, there's in the field of attachment theory, there's different versions of the model. Mm -hmm. And so we had the three up on the screen here where the secure attachment, avoidant attachment, anxious attachment. Um, there's other views where there's maybe four different ones as well, but this, we're going to simplify it this way. A simpler way than even looking at these three is to say, well, you either have a, a deep sense of security inside of you, and then that plays out in secure relationships, or insecurity inside of you. So really there's only two, secure or insecure. The, the, and we, we divide up the insecure into two because there's different ways that insecurity plays out yeah. in our lives and in our relationships. So f first of all, the secure style, and uh, it's nice that 44% of our congregation was that. That's awesome. Even secure people, though, do have some times where they're avoidant or insecure or anxious. Right. And so no matter how secure we may be, we're still growing in that. Right. But secure people tend to be, they have an inner sense of okayness with themselves. They generally tend to have a positive view of themselves and then of others. So they're not, their expectations are more positive than negative. They're not expecting the worst. And when bad things happen, they're not just reacting to that. They're just saying, well, bad things happen, but most things are good. So glass half full people. Mm -hmm. They have an ability to be flexible in relationships and to cooperate with others. Another thing that's been found is that folks with secure attachment or who are internally secure have a high level of what we call emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is just your ability to be aware of your own inner world the world of your thoughts and emotions and beliefs and impulses, and then you're managing those as they play out in relationships. And you're also able to be attuned to the inner world and the feelings and needs of others. That's emotional intelligence. And so securely attached people, secure people, emotionally secure people tend to have those characteristics. Well, the anxious folks, the anxiously attached or anxious um, folks, really um, what they're having is that they feel anxiety when there's disconnection in relationship. And so what they, when they feel best is when there's a close sense of connectedness with another person, even if it's an unhealthy relationship, when they feel the best is when there's this closeness, this close connectedness. What starts to trip up their anxiety is when there's disconnection, separation and distance. They get panicky and then they start to sort of pursue. They, they kind of uh, click into a pursuer mode, and they can come across then as clingy or needy or what have you. Sometimes they can manipulate or sometimes they can flood um, the people in their lives. What they're really aiming at is, I need to be reconnected. I'm, I can't be okay unless I know that, there's, that we're okay, mm -hmm. that there's the strong connectedness. And that's a healthy thing, but if you're pursuing that connection out of unhealth and out of woundedness, an insatiable empty need or a fear, then it just plays out as a brokenness and it ends up pushing people away, unfortunately. Right. The avoidant style of relationship is kind of the opposite. It's where you feel more anxious when you're intimate. Mm -hmm. So being close to people, being deeply connected to people, 
actually causes discomfort for avoidant people. And so then they tend to want to keep relationships at a safe distance. They want, they want to wall off or they want to kind of control or keep, kind of determine the rules of how close people can come. And all that is about managing, most of the time they're not necessarily aware of anxiety, but there is a deep anxiety about closeness. And so they're keeping a healthy distance. There's a version of the avoidant personality where they're kind of both and, where they really do want to pursue closeness and reconnection. And then there's things that happen, and so they, they get hurt, they get afraid, they get anxious, and then they pull away. Mm -hmm. And so there's this kind of sort of pursuing and withdrawing pattern as mm -hmm. well. But, but they tend to also, in the end, stay a safe distance. So all of those are just strategies, though. They're strategies that we've learned in order to manage emotion and feeling, in order to, to fill the voids or to numb the pain. Yeah. And, and those play out in ways that actually bringing more pain and bringing more emptiness in our lives, unfortunately. It sounds like it would be important for us to recognize within ourselves what style that yeah. we t tend to yes, go yeah. toward. Yeah, which I think is why that kind of a little assessment is good. Mm -hmm. um, we can really get that if we just have conversations. I'd encourage you guys to talk with those who are closest to you yeah. after today and in through this series and just say, well, what do you see me doing? Or just notice in your relationships. Are you one of those who's pursuing out of this anxiety and fear? Are you one of those that's kind of reactive and conflict sort of just put, sets you off. You're not okay. You don't have this feeling of okayness. Are you one that is very just cool and calm and detached and I don't really need people. Ask others how they see you, mm -hmm. reflect on yourself. Then we can start to work on you know, skills. And the, 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 the secure sort of attachment style is really just a set of skills that we can all learn. Those things I listed earlier, uh, be able, ability to tolerate stress and the emotional intelligence skills and flexibility and seeing people in a positive light. Those are all skills we can develop right? Um, and, and relational skills. And so those are things that as, if we become more aware of where our lacks are, we can start to build strengths in those areas. Absolutely. And I think it's important to state that if you are, do fall in the anxious or avoidant category, it doesn't mean you're a loser, right? Like, <laughs> no. Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> Nope. I hope not. Not a loser. <laughs> yeah. So my, I don't know what you would say your style is. I, my style is I wouldn't say that I'm one of those amazingly secure people. I, I feel like I'm pretty good a lot of times in a lot of my relationships. But it's when you get really close to the closest people, whether it's a spouse or a coworker, a, a roommate, a sibling, you know, sometimes you can get tweaked or triggered. And so just this last week, while we were preparing for this, you know, my wife and I had one of those little blips in our marriage. We've got a great marriage. We've been married 28 years. But, you know, we have our blips. And so I was aware of when we had this little hiccup, I was aware because we were thinking about this message and I was paying attention to, well, I'm doing that very thing. I'm, we, there was a disconnection that happened between me and my wife, Gwen. And I felt really then anxious about that disconnection. And it may, I, I just got stressed and I got anxious and I started to worry, are we okay? And then I started to click into the pursuing thing. And then that she wasn't in a great mood to be pursued. Um, so she's, right? You're laughing, but it was not funny at the time. The struggle so, is real. So, and that's painful. So then I'm just trying to resolve oh. this disconnection and I'm feeling worse. And she seems like she's pulling away. And then I click into the avoidant thing yeah. and I start to pull away myself. Well, I don't need her. Then, right? We, we worked it all out and we They're always good. do. But, Kevin are good, but I right? tend towards that anxious style. Yeah. So how about you? I honestly would love to say I'm secure, all right. but, but that's not, I mean, as I was looking and thinking through in some relationships, yes, um, I do feel 
very secure, but really mm. I think I am a mixture. It just kind of depends. Yeah. Sometimes old tapes play, yes. right? And so we find ourselves like I can be avoidant um, and aloof and independent. Um, but then, yeah, if, if something's going on and I'm feeling disconnected, yeah. that does cause anxiousness yeah. within me. And I want yeah. that connection and that reconciliation. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm a mess. I'm all of them yeah. and, <laughs> to an extent. You know, God has designed us for that connection. And so the disconnection, he did design into our system. There's, there's, we don't feel quite right when there's the disconnection. Yeah. Um, and so it is, that is supposed to motivate us to initiate reconnection. The problem is when we've been wounded and we have all these different strategies, we kind of overreact to disconnection right. and we'll either pull away and shut down the other mm-hmm. or we'll just overly flood the other yeah. just so we'll feel better. Right. But th- the, the best thing in a relationship is to notice that disconnection and then to just figure out how do we reconnect. Right. Yeah, and care is the best, just using that acronym. What we need so to do is to re-communicate our commitment to one another, be, pay attention cl- more closely to each other, mm-hmm. respond to the needs, empower and bring what's needed. So, yeah. That's so good. I love that. So we're talking for directional love. Yes. And so let's talk a little bit about some of the other directions, like the, yes. with attachment and how that plays out with our relationship with God and, yeah. and awesome. ourself. Yeah. So at, at first it might, you know, the, the natural way to apply this attachment stuff is in relationship to others, to each other. And so most of what we've been talking about here is if that's kind of obvious, we're going to have a week on each of these directions or dimensions in the yeah. series that's coming up. And so each of the coming weeks is going to drill down deeper into how do we express love in each of these unique directions. But I think the one that maybe seems the most obvious, and yet it might be the hardest, is that other with other people thing. The relationship with God is one where, you know, God's not so much threatened by us, like, right? right. He's not going to avoid us or he's not going to pursue us with flooding because he's insecure or whatever. But from our side, um, the best thing in, our, in this model is to say, well, how do I reconnect with God's care? Mm-hmm. So this four-directional love thing is going to be about God is always offering care. He's the reliable, perfect father and mother and parent who's constantly extending care, commitment, attentive, attentiveness, responsiveness, empowerment. So then in our relationship four-directionally with God, the problem is then for us to learn to pursue and open up and receive that care. Yeah. And the first part of that is going to be, we're not going to pursue a God that we're afraid of right. or that we don't think cares about us. And so we need to learn to see God differently. And so mm-hmm. the whole goal with our relationship with God and healing attachment stuff is going to be, how do we see him as he truly is? How do we see him as committed? How do we see him as attentive and responsive and empowering? And the good news is that the whole scripture is a story about all those things. If you put on the glasses of C-A-R-E when you're reading scripture or meditating on God, you're going to start to notice that there's a whole bunch that's about commitment. It's, it's, the story is, man, he's so committed. Even when we stray and we sin and we fall and we rebel, he doesn't give up. He doesn't abandon. And he doesn't come and squash us. He's pursuing and he's always committed. His commitment is unswerving. He cares about us. He's always attentive to us. um, He's responsive. He's empowering. I think one of the best illustrations of this to me is in Psalm 23, the the Lord is my shepherd. That that psalm is like probably the most well-known scripture in the Bible, or at least in the Old Testament. And in my opinion, it's expressing all of these truths about God. It's David's way of sort of imaginatively meditating 
on these basic truths. God is committed. He's committed like a shepherd. He's not going to leave you. He's going to fight off the enemies. He's going to risk his life for you. He's attentive. He watches over you. He pays attention. He knows when a sheep strays or when there's danger and when they're hungry and when they need sleep and rest. And he's going to respond with whatever's needed. He's going to lead them to pastures or to water. He's going to bring them into the fenced-in area at night so they can sleep safely and soundly. He's got his rod and his staff. He's going to fight off the enemies. He's going to empower them to find what they need so they can grow and be healthy. So that, that simple psalm that we all know really well is really telling the story that God is caring. He cares for us. Yeah. So then our relationship with ourselves, yes. <laughs> that one might be a little trickier to some, but you all have a relationship with yourself. You might not think about it that way. Uh, it's not that you like our split personality or any kind of thing like that. Every one of us has a pretty set and patterned way of how we think about ourselves, mm-hmm. how we see ourselves, how we feel about ourselves, how we talk to ourselves, and then how we treat ourselves. And those can be either in positive or negative ways. We can see ourselves negatively, a negative self-image. We can talk in a really negative and abusive way about ourselves and to ourselves. We can mistreat our bodies. We can mistreat our souls. We can be abusive towards ourselves. And so this idea of four-directional love, loving ourselves, really does mean, are we going to be able to bring care to ourself? Are we going to bring a commitment? I'm committed to me. I'm committed to my well-being. I'm committed to my healing. I'm committed to my growth. Um, so committing to ourself is an important thing. And then committed to what? Well, committed to paying attention, to tuning into me, getting to know me, getting to know my inner world. What are my wounds? What are my weaknesses? What are my strengths? Mm-hmm. And in that paying attention or attending to self, then it's about responding. Will I respond accordingly? Will I bring myself the nurture, the healing, the growth, the affirmation? that I really do need? And will I empower myself to grow and become more than I am today? So that's a relationship with ourself. Yeah. Relationship with creation might be... A little different. A little, little different, yeah. And so I think what may come to most people's mind when we talk about loving creation or a relationship with creation is, well, maybe things like recycling, right? I'm going to separate the cans from the paper and the plastics, right? Well, that is a way to care for creation. And so being a good environmentalist and recycling and being very mindful of those kinds of things, creation care, it's hugely important. But there's a whole other dimension of how we, because of our brokenness and the pain and the void inside of us, we misuse creation, the, cre- the world of created things. And so if we're walking around with a void in us, we don't feel worth, value, belonging, acceptance, and we're not able to get it from people that we can't really control, Well, we can start to control things, right? So money, possessions, materialism, consumerism, fashion, how we look, all kinds of things can now start to become our idols and our gods. And we exploit the nature to start creating a whole world of things, and it's it's putting a huge burden on creation. So creation pays the price for us misusing it. And so that's we're going to be talking about that as well, but there's a way that we can misrelate to creation instead of relating in this loving way to creation. It's just fascinating because what, it, what we're saying is, is it, to the extent that we're not filled and we're not getting our life from Christ and the love of God, then so many things, everything is going to yeah. be affected. Everything, yeah. Positively or it's negatively. All, it's yeah. a system. It's all interconnected. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah. That's incredible. Um, really quickly, when we, you were talking about care for, for yourself, mm -hmm. um, I think sometimes, and I just wanted to say this out loud, we have to, sometimes that means recognizing um, other people's talk. Like we can have our yeah. own self-talk and sometimes that self-talk is right. based upon things that others have said about us or yep. to us or defined us. And, yeah. some, and caring for yourself is to recognize that yes. and, and, yeah. and get great. the truth. Absolutely, so attending, paying attention to the, the inner voices some of those inner voices might be my own, and I'm talking myself down. I might have my mom or dad's inner voice or a teacher from third grade's inner yeah. voice too, right? So, the, so we need to learn how to take thoughts captive, as Greg is always talking about. It starts with paying attention, attending, being attentive to what's happening inside, yeah. and then changing that and, and changing the voices. So important. Yeah. I want to um, thank you for all that you've shared. It's really good, and I wish we had more yeah. time and to dig in some more. The next few weeks we'll go yeah. deeper. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> I, want to, I want to get to the good news. I want to good leave news, yeah. these people with some good news and how yes. the gospel, yes. the good news of Jesus, yes. just covers all of this. Yeah. So Yeah, absolutely. This is the best part. This is the best part. We only best have a couple part. minutes. I know. But good hopefully this will be unpacked over the coming weeks. Yes. You know, we've talked about how our deepest, we're broken by relationships. We're also healed by relationships. Yes. Our deepest longing is for the love of father or mother. Um, whether we got it from our real mom or dad or not, we're still lacking in many ways. Well, the good news is that God shows up as father or mother. The good news is that God is a family, the Trinity, Father, Son, Spirit. God is a, is a community of perfect love. And God the Father then sends the Son into the world who becomes our brother. He's our brother, a sibling now in this family. And we get to see how he relates to Abba Father. And we get to learn from that. Oh my gosh, Jesus talks to... Abba this way, and Abba talks to Jesus this way, and we can see the beautiful heart of the Father. Jesus comes and says, hey, let me show you who your Father is yeah. and who you are to him. And so this is, that's the beauty of the gospel is that God is this beautiful parent, that God is that beautiful. He says, beautiful as Jesus reveals him to be, but you know what? He also sees that we're beautiful. What he yeah. reveals to us is that we are that beautiful to him. The gospel is the good news that God is beautiful and that we are beautiful to him. That God is perfectly loving and that we are perfectly loved children of God. Mm -hmm. So then it's just a matter of living into that, growing into that, opening up to that more and more. And that's really the job of the church. So the job of the church then is to bring this kind of care to each other. We've been given the Holy Spirit. Yes. The other family member of the Trinity is dwelling inside of us to fill us with the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of love and care. Yes. And now we're able to help reparent God, bring God parenting right. to each other. So we have tangible others in the church. At least it's supposed to be that way. Right. Um, that we can bring this kind of love and care to each other. And that, that's the good news. That is the That good we news. can heal and grow and become who we were meant to be. And we do that with one another. The one another. And with God. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, and he is perfectly loving. He's perfectly loving. And we are we perfectly, are perfectly loved. loved. Yeah. So Kevin... 10 seconds, what is the takeaway? If you had to say yeah. one thing in 10 seconds for them today and for the rest of the series, yeah. it is? Press through, push back, push away the negative experiences that you had with your parents or the negative pictures that you might have of God or yourself. Just dare to push those away and then enter in and say, Lord, show me who you really are, show me who I really am. Yeah. And then connect with some other people. Find a way to connect with folks that are, they have enough Jesus in them that's kind of spilling out, mm -hmm. so you can tangibly have that. And that happens in community. For, find some way to cultivate 
Christian community. Amen to be that. Be part of that family. Amen to that. Let's stand, everyone. And remember, God is perfectly loving. You are perfectly loved. Yes. And part of that is just relying upon one another. So we invite you, if you need prayer today, don't leave here. Don't carry whatever burden you have. Come. We have prayer ministers up here that would love to connect with you and pray with you and just touch the throne of God for you. Kevin, thank you so yes, much. Thank you, Isn't this is amazing. Uh, we are so glad that you are here today. Please go and be blessed and know how much you were loved perfectly. Yes.